Howdy, gang. Thank you for tuning into Back Country and Barbells. Today's show brought to you, like all the others, um, by PR Lifting Quality Fitness Gear here in the Pacific Northwest. PR Lifting takes pride and personal passion in providing excellent gear, awesome customer service, and being the Pacific Northwest neighborhood hookup for awesome weightlifting gear. Guys, a lot of my stuff in my garage training gym is set up with PR lifting, uh, especially the kettlebells I swing um, and the balls I slam. Yeah, the bells I swing, the balls I slam, and the barbells I um, drop. Uh, Check them out, guys. Um, You will not be disappointed. Also, guys, we have Sendavet. Guys, uh, Sendavet Foundation as a mission focused on sending um, the nation's combat-injured warriors on various outdoor adventures throughout the United States and around the world. Guys, uh, recently at our auction, or their auction, excuse me, um, well over $100,000 raised. Um, it was great to do. Again, PR Lifting donated some gear. Um, we had everything at the auction from rifles to jewelry uh, made from antlers. There was something for everybody. So check it out, guys. Uh, send a vet foundation awesome mission awesome people and also guys our website head on over to backcountry and barbells you can learn about the show you can check out our first program our base camp program a um, couple weeks about six weeks of just targeted base level strength and conditioning work to get you going and also show you how to give you some tips on how to set up a home training ground so head on over there guys to backcountry barbells com. We'd appreciate it. Today's episode, guys, is all about fighting convenience. Um, we discuss a great video by um, a fellow podcaster, all-around badass, Jocko Willink. And then also we give some boot considerations. I know everyone's gearing up for the fall, maybe elk season to come. So um, maybe you're buying some new boots. Um, we'll give you a couple things to consider. But um. All in an effort, guys, to get you guys to train, hunt, and live the best life possible. Thanks a bunch. Enjoy the show. <laughs> well, fired up, gang. Um, you are listening to Back Country and Barbells with Joe Shimonic and Jeremy Day. Jeremy, fired Welcome. up to chat heck with yeah, you man. early. Heck yeah, I like a heck yeah. Uh, um, so last night I come home from jujitsu practice. Um, so yeah, it's fun. I'll be honest with you. I, I, it's a great stress relief for me and I do it for a couple of reasons. I just don't work that hard early in the morning in the gym. So I do jujitsu practice, uh, two to three times a week in the evenings and it's really fun. And it's a, I get a level of aggression and sweat and, and effort in that. I just, I'm just not going to do it alone. Um, and honestly, I love it too. Cause it's, it's super humbling. I don't know it. I didn't do any martial arts, but, um, I've been trying, been thinking about scratching this itch for a long time with the, with the popularity of like MMA and stuff. I'm just like, Hey, what, why don't I go try it? I'm a strong guy. Let's go see if I can apply some of that to something useful, like choking people. Um, <laughs> so, so, which is great in my middle school, by the way, I tell the kids this, they're, they're like, Hey, what hobbies do you have? And I'm like, well, right now I'm working on choking people. And they're like, what? Um, which is fun. <laughs> But, um, oh, they all stop right in their tracks, probably, and you get their full attention at that point. Yeah, they do, and it, it's well. And the other day, it got interesting. I, the kids were messing around, and one kid had a kid in what looked to be like a pretty loose, like rear naked choke, and I broke up the little skirmish. I'm like, "You guys can't do that here." I was like, "If you," and they looked at me funny. I'm like, "That's not how you play here." I was like, "If you want to engage in mock warfare, 
join a martial arts gym. And they were like, what? Like they were just freaked out. That didn't, <laughs> like, I'm like, Hey, go do that there, you know, not here. But, um, um, uh, but my point is that I want to get into, cause it kind of, it kind of, it's kind of a cool segue into what we were talking about before the show, which was a awesome topic. Well, when I came home, I got my first kind of jujitsu mark on my face. I got not a black eye, but I got like a, I got a scrape across my cheek and I got it cause we were doing this move and this guy went to grab my collar and he, he pretty much punched me in the face. And uh, <laughs> my wife was like, what happened to you? And I'm like, it's jujitsu. And she's like, I don't know why the hell you do that. And, um, and here's where it is. That's also my place to fight convenience in life because it's usually in the evenings. It's a crappy time to train. It's after the day. I'm going through this kind of fasting protocol for some generally hungry and I suck at it, so I'm getting humbled daily. But um, <laughs> those those humbling lessons, man, are man. It's they're just where you experience growth, I think, and there's some carryover there. So um, I, I think that'd be a cool way to get into some fun stuff that we had going on pre-show. Well, I have a fun story about when I was younger. I wanted to be Bruce Lee, <laughs> okay. so I watched all these Bruce Lee movies. And I practiced, and then I um, I did some karate. One of the neighbors just happened to be a karate instructor, instructor, and, and we were really poor when I was growing up, so we never had money. And he's like, "Oh, come on over, Jeremy, every Tuesday night." So I go over there, and we're doing martial arts. But anyway, um, four or five years down the road, and I get in a little arguing with my mom, and she goes to slap me, and I threw my arm up and I blocked it, and then she went to slap me with the other hand, and I went up and blocked it. <laughs> And then she went to slap again, and I blocked it and blocked it again. And she got like, she got so angry. She grabbed me by my wrist and just started front hand, back hand. Don't you ever, <laughs> ever block my slaps. But it was just this natural reaction. I was like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. That's the whole, uh, that's the uh, Danielson training, right? That's a, yeah, that's, man. That's a karate kid stuff right there. You know, it saved me. That's it. For uh, a moment. What Mr. She, Mom his, went back in though. <laughs> one of his best quotes from that movie is uh trust the trust the quality of what you know, not the quantity of what you know. Um and that's Mr. Miyagi. You know, that guy yeah. could have been a strength coach, Jeremy. Um, I know, man. He, he had a lot of good stuff. He was something else. But uh you know, it's funny. I think there's just lots of things with, with modern day life in terms of just convenience and it'll never go the other way. But Unless there's some kind of blast or EMP thing or some awful atrocity that's going to make it happen, which, you know, no one wants that. It's not going to happen. But, man, I think to some degree there's so many modern conveniences that they, they compile to making us like a, a soft people. And um, I know you, you're traveling around right now, and you're where, in Portland at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, so you said you were talking with a buddy who, um, in, in the same – he said he was noticing, um, you know, people – aren't doing well in the woods, not because they're fit or not because they're prepared, don't have the right gear, but because they're just too used to being in a comfortable place. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. So my friend, um, Brian, we, uh, grew up together and, um, about, I think it was 15 or 16 or 17 years ago, I got him into turkey hunting hmm. and then we went, gobble, uh, gobble. Yeah, yeah, man. And then we went, uh, after that, we started took him bird hunting, and then he just took it to a whole new level. I mean, the guy goes all over the uh, West Coast doing. He, he's a judge and does it on horseback, and I mean all this stuff. And he's big into the. He's got a lot of Vigla dogs. And uh, anyway, so we're talking last night, and he says, "You know, Jeremy, 
it's really interesting. I have these guys at work, and they're they're younger guys that come up in the ranks, and they're always working out in a controlled gym, and they're super fit. I mean, these guys are way fitter than I am, or more fit than I am. And he goes, but once I get them out there and I, I talk them into going hunting with me, they tap out within 30 minutes. Mm. They're done. And he goes, and and he goes, the only thing I can think of is is that they go to a gym. And it's a controlled environment. The temperature's at 62 or 64, whatever it is. They wear the same clothes every day. They go in there, kind of do the same regiment. They're working on machines, which machines typically like a treadmill or, you know, anything that kind of has that movement. Once you get momentum going, it's less work. So there's they don't build that true resiliency. They're, they're fit. They're strong. But once they get out into they apply it into the real world, which would be climbing mountains, being outside, hiking, doing that stuff. He goes, it's it's quick. They're you know they're they're throwing the three taps and they're done. No, I believe it. I mean, that's the thing. Again, fighting convenience. Sometimes the the perfect training environment is so perfect that then you can't replicate it and actually utilize those skills to to um in performance it just happens you know what i mean if you have to be in this sterile environment i mean look what's a, what's one of the you talk about pop culture and karate kid what's a great example of that you know if you look at rocky five right uh, yeah rocky four is that the rocky one? four he's rocky four when he fights the russian yeah. yeah well where's the russian training he's getting doped up he's got this crazy place he's got he's training on these machines whatever what's rocky doing he's in the barn running in snow Right, I mean, I mean, you know, and that Paulie's got his Eagles hat on, you know, whatever they're doing. But, you know, it, the thing is, and he wins, and he wins. But you know what I mean. So sometimes it happened like, in Rocky Eleven and Rocky Twenty Two, <laughs> also, <laughs> and now the Creed movies, which you know, actually, the newer ones aren't so bad. You know, there's something motivational about this yeah. fake boxer uh, giving giving these mo- uh, monologues at you. But. Um, no, but the fighting, the convenience, and maybe going out of your way to, to in training, maybe what has to happen is in training and in life, you have to prepare yourself for the adversity by just maybe not setting up the perfect environment sometimes. And I think that there's just a lot of there's a lot of good stuff that can come out of that where you can adapt on the fly and figure it out in, in a safe way. And, uh, man, I just don't see I, – I just don't see a lot of parents around me doing that for their kids, letting their kids fail, and then all of a sudden when they do fail, they freak out. And then, honestly, I, I think our lives get so cushy, I don't see a lot of adults taking that route to just, hey, maybe if we just make it a little bit inconvenient, um, what's the benefit of it? So um, that'd be my hope for anybody, you know, especially, you know, we're going to get into a topic of gear today and, and discuss how you can get more comfortable in the woods. But, man, it would be my hope that folks... um figure out ways to fight that convenience. Cause like you said, if you're not prepared for some crazy elements, it doesn't really matter what your gear is. You're just going to be out there thinking about how cold and wet you are. Right. right. And, and, and it all begins with like attitude, right? You got to just like, we keep talking about that mental toughness. Mm-hmm. I was taking my daughter. We went on a Turkey hunt when she was, I think she was 12 or 13 and we got back in the woods and, um, she thinks we got turned around, but I was just building on her mental toughness. Actually, we got lost. But <laughs> we uh we're going and 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 she's, you know, she's starting to 
meltdown a little bit and like, oh my, where are we going? Yeah, hey, you know, calm down, calm down. And eventually we found our way back and, and, and on our way back, I mean, it was pretty amazing. We walk within 30 yards of a blonde black bear. Mm. And, and the dang thing was coming right at us, a head swinging and, um, and, uh, she's like, oh, let's sneak up closer. I'm like, honey, all I got is a bow and arrow. Mm. And I don't want to wrestle another bear. I already did that once, and we have them hanging on the wall, but that was tough enough. So anyway, we kind of built on that, inadvertently built on her mental toughness because we were out there wandering around for an extra hour, and I was positive the whole time. Hey, honey, let's look at this. Let's look at that. And it, you know, You just kind of have to look at your surroundings and um, just kind of absorb where you're at. In order to build, I mean, and it takes you off of that physical aspect or the cold aspect or, you know, whatever you're fighting. Yeah, you have to sometimes it's make a choice, right? There's yeah. A, I probably referenced it already, but, you know, the Seattle uh, Seattle Mariners used it, I think, for their theme this year. Um, uh, it's been a video that's popularized maybe on the Joe Rogan podcast. This is Jocko Willing video called Good, where it's like bad things happen, but some good will come of it. You have to yep. you have to sort that out, right? So learn something, figure it out, do enough to keep moving to stay alive in really tough scenarios, and you know th- things will work out. But man, what you always revert back to what you're comfortable doing or what you're used to doing, like the, whether you call that muscle memory or habit or whatnot. Like that's the thing. Like you're just not going to all of a sudden become great in a not so great environment if you don't test yourself with some adversity here and there and and that could be through intensity of training that could be taking a cold shower in the morning that could be a lot of different things but um you really have to figure out ways especially in this modern age that we live in here to fight convenience and and throw yourself into adverse environments because you, you can you can get by doing very little and procreate and and binge netflix and and you know you'll have you'll have a bag of chips in your lap you know what i mean and and you can make a you can make a fast food stop relatively cheap uh, cheap and have you know a sack lunch that that will sustain you but i think at the end of that road is just um there's that's just you're alive you're not really living if that makes any sense well yeah and you won't be comfortable when you're eating in the end stuff, you won't. that's right no yeah and, and and even at the end of the day a lot of people you know there's this big movement on sleep apnea, and, and there is people that have true sleep apnea, but a lot of it is is people are doing nothing all day long. They're, they're doing a very minimal movement, yeah, and then right. they try to go to bed, and the body's already rested all day, right? Because it hasn't been really doing anything. You've been using your mind maybe a little bit, but then when you try to hit the bed, the hay, and then you're sitting there, can't sleep, you can't, you know, and then your sinuses get plugged up because you're not getting outside. You're not opening up the doors and windows. You're staying in that controlled environment. And it has its repercussions. And, and then at the end of the day is that you put a little bit of work at the beginning of the day and get some exercise in, and then you're comfortable. Your, your life is vibrant. You, everybody's happy around you. You're not grumpy. I mean, yeah. And, and honestly, I, and there are ways to sneak in fitness <laughs> Um, on the fringe of your day, if you again take this idea of, of fighting a little bit of convenience, which which I think we should save um, to the end of the show. But before yeah. <laughs> we get into that, 
<laughs> I think what we should get into, um, you open the door for it, is just getting, you know, opening the windows, getting out in your environment. But, you know, with all that being said, you would have to be an idiot, um, I think, to just go off in the woods. Um, like, um, you know, this isn't Tarzan, right? We want to put boots on our feet. We want to layer up. We want to do things the right way. So, you know, when we train, we can train for the inconvenience of that. But then if on top of that training, we can actually go out there and have some gear that keeps us a little bit comfortable. Um, then we can really utilize our skills out there. And in a way, it's like the opposite side of, of a funny coin, right? So um, in that regard, I think it would be fun to just give give our thoughts on how to utilize uh, gear the best way. Uh, maybe what are some... If you're trying to get your like um, woodsman starter pack going, maybe where you can start thinking about that and some some ideas that you'd want to um, you'd want to incorporate, so uh, you can be successful. And then if you are fighting convenience in your day to day life and in training, then you can go out there and really utilize those talents and skills. Right, and um, I was that idiot 20 years ago when I walked into the woods with blue jeans, <laughs> the tennis shoes, and well, yeah, a lousy ignorant. pair of rain gear, and I was there for four days or whatever it was, and I was on the in the Cascades where it rained, you know, five out of the four days we were there. So boots are really, really important, and that's, I think, one of the topics we want to shoot into right now. Um because you so, probably want to buy a pair of hunting boots. I mean, if you were to, I mean, <clears throat> where would you prioritize that in purchasing? I mean, um, it pro- I mean, I would probably say maybe the first thing you should buy is a pair of boots you like. Yeah, absolutely. A good pair of boots that are always buy, my opinion, always buy waterproof boots, um, something with Gore-Tex in them because you never know what, you know, that morning dew or what have you. Um, the ground could be damp. You could get a snowstorm if you're hunting rifle in the, you know, October, November time. Or you could be, you know, on the Cascades where it rains a lot. And even when it's not raining, you wake up in the morning and it's every plant is soaking wet. So I, water, waterproof boots are essential. And um, so when you mean water, so let's talk about uh, waterproof boots. Um, is this just um, when when you're looking at making this purchase, or so is it just a matter of Gore-Tex? I mean, when you're saying waterproof, because when I'm thinking waterproof boot, you know, me and my wife she wants to take us out to uh, Cannon Beach, and she's putting these big rubber boots with like neoprene on the inside on my kids. And um, do do we need to go to that extent? What do, what are we getting into there in terms no, of the, waterproof? The, great question, Joe. That I mean, that it's good clarification. So. I would go with the leather or a synthetic outer type boot with the rubber sole and then um, have a Gore-Tex liner in it because, you know, those rubber boots are great for um, tree stand hunting or something where you're going to be stationary, but they're not really great for the type of hunting, the backcountry hunting, because A, they're not very breathable, and then B they they have a good fit but they're not a laced tight fit so basically if you're looking at a boot you want them to be leather synthetic with laces because um you want that shoestring so you can put you know add socks or take socks Mm -hmm. away and um so that's that's my clarification well the fit the fit matters too because um 
you know, a tip too, like some folks will complain and, and you know, I see this a lot with my kids at hockey where, you know, they, they wear all these socks and then all of a sudden their foot's packed so tight into their skate or even I've done this where I try to sock up so much that my, my foot's so tight into the boot that you end up getting cold because um, one of the things that's important about like, you know, one of the best insulators is just oxygen. If you can get a little barrier. Yeah. So one of the things that I like to do, and you tell me what you think on this, Jeremy, I actually like to buy my hunting boots a half size too big just to get a, a, a little bit of breathability in the toe because I find my toes get cold. Like if my toes are jammed up into the boot and I got socks on where I'm wedged up against the, you know, the, the toe of that boot, I find that my toes get cold. But if I have that extra half size and, Rather than layering up with multiple socks, if I just get the right sock um, and I have a little bit of room, I'm actually finding that with that gap in there, um, my toes actually stay a little bit warmer. Yeah, and you know with the new socks now, they get the merino wool and they got you know all these synthetics and this and that. And I mean, the best way to do it is buy four or five pair of socks when you buy a set of boots and then always wear those socks and don't add socks. Yeah, that's right. Because then you keep the same fit all the time. Because like you're saying, it gets cold. I got to add another layer of socks and then you get out there and your feet are a little uncomfortable. You stretch your boot out over time and then you try to go back to one sock and then you have to tighten your laces up different. So, and, I mean. And, and maybe the other point on the boot is um, I've had a synthetic kind of, I, I wore a, uh, I wore a, a basic Under Armour boot uh, last uh, three hunting seasons, and they're they're still doing good. And like you say, the hunting boots, you're not wearing them every day, so you'll get a good bit of durability out of your boots just for the fact that you're not wearing them all the time. But when you do wear them, you wear the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pardon, absolutely. Pardon, pardon the language, but but yeah, that, that's a synthetic boot, and and I think that I think the thing to mention there that is the difference between them and maybe a leather boot might be that the leather will maintain its integrity, but it does take a little bit of maintenance, right? I mean, don't, don't, we need to, you got to wax them up, condition them, do some things. But I think with the, um, with the synthetic boot, or if you're going to, it's going to be loaded with Gore-Tex or like the one I have, like when that loses its waterproofing property, then it's pretty much a kind of a backup boot situation. Yeah. And you know, that was my lesson learned last year. I, I was like, I don't want to have maintenance every year. So I bought a synthetic boot and a day two or something. I don't know what it was. It it started leaking. Yeah. And it was an expensive pair of boots. And then once they started leaking and they got wet, I mean, it was really hard to keep them dry after that. And my feet were just absolutely miserable. But, you know, one thing, too, with, with boots and on the warm side or cooler, or depending on where you hunt, they they come with you can get thinsulate in them, which is a real thin layer of insulation. It's got all these microfibers and blah 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 blah. But <clears throat> excuse me, but you can get them from 100 grams up to a thousand grams. And I always buy my boots with 400 grams of insulate of uh, thinsulate. Hmm. And I have found that that's a perfect medium for me personally. Sure. So when I'm sitting in a turkey blind or I'm sitting waiting glassing in the morning, my feet don't get too cold. I mean, they still get a little cold because you're just hanging out, not moving around, or you've been moving around and then you stop, you know, all of a sudden and start watching and glassing. But then when I'm out hiking, I don't, and it's it's super hot. I don't really feel 
like my feet are blistering hot, if that makes sense. So I found that the 400 grams is a perfect medium for me to, um, to keep my feet warm, have one pair of socks and, um, be comfortable in the two extreme environments that I happen to be in. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it seems to be a middle grade and actually a number to look on, you know, and, you know, start in the middle, I guess, right? I mean, the, I'm, the, the last thing I would last thing I would ask you about the boots, um, insulated versus insulated versus not insulated. Um, you know, some people like the fact that you can be, you have that breathability, and some facts, some folks want to be completely insulated. But then on that end, you know, I sweat a lot out of my feet, so I'm actually looking for some breathability to, in the same regard that. You know, when you're pounding to the top of the mountains, you're shedding layers. <clears throat> it's just harder to shed that layer on your boot somehow, especially if you have it built in with it. And then once your feet get hot, I mean, you start sweating in there and you're you're retaining water and your feet get wet. And then now you're blistering, you're getting crazy like that. So um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, in terms of just going insulated versus non-insulated. And I think you just kind of hit on it. You went that kind of mid-grade. But um, any, yeah. any further thoughts on just that insulation property that a boot can hold? Well, yeah, and, and and what's really nice about Thinsulate, it's it's got breathability properties. So it it even at 400 mils, my feet do my feet do get sweaty, but it gives me the um it gives me a reason to take a break in the afternoon and take my boots off and mm. and close my eyes for a few minutes. Some call it a nap, I just I call it resting my eyes. That's the best part and, of the day. I mean, oh, it is, man. You <laughs> take your boots off, you throw that out, you put your socks out, and then when you put those socks and boots on, then it's they're they're dry and warm. But it doesn't get to where it's uncomfortable for me. Sure. And and I and I'm a person that perspires a lot too. I mean, my feet, everything. I can't I can't wear paint on my face because I sweat so bad. It gets in my eyes and it stings. And um, so, um, but yeah. So the non-insulated you. You know, it's just going to be when in those cold mornings, you're you're just going to have to plan. So you might have to get a better insulated sock, but I don't even know if that will help. I I've always ran 400 mil or 400 grams of insulation, and um, it really just buries down to preference and your comfortability. Um, and you know, honestly, the, the best thing to do is you know, with what Joe and I sit here and talk about is generalization of everything. So to really get into the specifics and dynamics and, you know, of each individual company, I would, I would say, give these guys a call, give the manufacturer a call and pick their brain. And then they can give you the science on it. Cause they do it every day. They talk to people They're, you know, they want to set you up for success. They're not, you know, they want you to buy their boot, but they also understand that you, their boot not, might not be the right fit for you, and they'd rather you go buy a competitor's boot than buy their boot and give them a bad, you know, um, bad mouth them. So, so um, let me let me let me run one thing by you, and I'm not trying to. What I'm looking at this year is: have, Are you familiar with uh, pack boots? Oh, never heard of them. Yeah, so I'm thinking uh, just so the pack boot would be the leather on the outside, and and um, they have leather up the base, and then um, what what I'm looking at is this kind of Schnee's. Schnee's is a brand out of Bozeman, um, but what they end up doing is uh, the pack boot actually has like uh, 
it has the the outside is a protective one, and then on the inside, you have a bit of a wool layer. So we're, we're looking to go in there, and they seem they seem to be popular amongst um, you know Western hunters who have to deal with kind of colder environments. Now, my only issue with it looks to be is I'm just wondering if they're too much, um, too too loaded down or, or too heavy for for where we hunt because what what i experienced last year was the temperature's not too um temperature's not too bad you know no. what i mean it, but what it's we mild. have to deal with more is is the wet right so and how do you keep dry if you found that there's a boot that might dry out better for the next day than others well you know they all claim the same thing and and i told you i have my synthetic last year and it, yeah. it just didn't hold up and then this year i went to um kinetrex and i was we were remember when we went on our hunt our deer hunt and i wore them all day in the rain never ever got wet usually if you're they're going to get wet they're going to get wet in that first day mm-hmm. so um and and so i got to put them to the test and do three or four days but um kind of forgot your question can you believe just a a better boot for drying out if like let's say you know day to day you know we're going to get wet but is one have you found like if you had to what's the bet what boots have you seen that will be dry the next day or is there a tip for drying them out quicker for for the next day the you know the best tip on drying them out you don't really want to put them by the fire because it dries the leather out the synthetics you might be able to get away with it mm-hmm. um, so you can get them close to a fire you never ever want to use a um, a boot dryer on your boots because they kick in so much heat and they really dry it from the inside out which is not you want it to kind of slowly dry but what I've done is I just put them in my rig and I kind of just turn the heat on and just at a you know not like blaring and put my boots right in there but and let them just kind of dry naturally and that seems to work the best but as far as a boot that dries quicker i i don't know i haven't had much experience in that yet i've I've always kind of worn the cheaper side of the world and then um which is a boot that's you know in the hundred to hundred and eighty dollar mark and um They've always worked really good. You know, they'd stay dry for two or three days, and then they'd start breaking down. But some of that could be just wicking in or whatever. But I haven't had the experience on boots, what boot will dry quicker. But that's a great question to ask, you know, when you call up and you're doing your research on a specific boot to um, ask them. And to give you an example, some of the guys out there that are, you know, kind of high-end, you got Kinetrek, Crispy Boots, Scarpas. Um, Danner has some, and um, Rocky shoes. They I think they have some good high end stuff. So I mean, that's just a handful of the hundreds of them out there. But yeah, a company that I'm looking at right now, again out of Bozeman, is it's Schnees, which seems to be have been around for for quite a bit, and they make a variety of boots. Um, like I said I'm, I'm super intrigued by this idea of their pack boot because it's got a decent reputation amongst um, you know Western elk hunters, but also um, they will rebuild the soul for you, you know, every so often. And I, I've just heard um, great things about their durability and uh, the price on their kind of Western pack boot doesn't seem, doesn't seem crazy either. Because again, just like anything else, um, you can, you can spend a bunch of money and then 
you're not happy. So again, do your due diligence and, you know, call the companies, try them out, walk around in them, you know, do those things. Um, I've always found that the more information a company will be able to give you. And then even if they have that information to compare what they've had against competitors, it, that's a good thing. I mean, if, if they, if they don't know much or don't have the right people answering a phone, that's probably a sign that, you know, that might not be the right group to work with. Um, and one of the things about these pack boots that, that I'm looking at um, from Schnee's is you can get them in a variety of different heights. There's there's all kinds of heights. When, when, when someone's looking for, you know, I really, as much as I like hunting, I don't like the shoes because they're big and they can be clunky. But um, does, the, does, the, does the height of the boot play into this at all? Is that something to consider? And, and, and what is that consideration, Jeremy? Yeah, absolutely. I think you should always consider the height of that boot because um, they come in, you know, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen inches. So they they have a big range, and and some, you know, each boot company has their different ones. Like I'm looking at your Schnees right now, and yeah. they have the ten inch and the fourteen inch in that Western boot that you're talking about. Yeah. So when you're when you're thinking, well, why why does height matter on my boot? It's when you're hunting extremely steep country you want a boot that fits your feet and stays on your feet and protects your ankle Mm. and in our neck of the woods you also got to think about moisture wicking up and getting inside the boot excuse me so the higher the boot sometimes the more ankle support you're going to get so i like um my boots i always get around eight to ten inches Sure. Because that's about right where my calf starts to go up because that's the other thing you got to kind of keep in consideration is where your calves start to bulge out because you don't want to get the boot up there on your calf and then it be uncomfortable when you're hiking up and restrict that calf from doing its thing. Well, for, for all my physical attributes, um, which are many, and you can ask, <laughs> you can ask my wife, <laughs> but, you know, I'm not ashamed of the mirror, sir. But uh, <laughs> my calves are not one of them, you know. So I, they are, yeah, you know, I got bulges in my pants, but they ain't in my calves. And they're uh, not in the calves. We go to an interesting place. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so wh- wh- I'm interested. So again, 16 inch boot height. What? What is that? Just to in case you're trekking through some water. I mean. I think that's primarily these boots looking at them are more of a mountaineer snow boot. So when you're hiking in the snow and you you're breaking through that top barrier of the snow, these boots are protecting you from moisture going inside, you know, and and you're not sinking down. So if you have an eight, 10 inch boot and you sink, sink down to 10 inches, there's a good chance that snow can get up inside those boots if yeah. you don't have your um oh gosh what are they just slipped my mind oh your gaiters yeah yeah if you don't have gaiters on and even with gaiters i mean you just you got to protect you got to make sure moisture doesn't get down inside those boots and then start getting everything wet and getting miserable so sometimes i think that's what plays in it i mean a lot of your rubber boots are really really high i mean they're up past your calves but um that's so that you're pushing through the grasslands or whatever that the moisture doesn't get inside. Yeah, and then why I'm fixated on this boot is just I keep hearing more and more about the durability of it and the fact that, you know, when when things go wrong with this boot, they, they rebuild them for you, and things don't often go wrong, which I think is great. And I just 
for me, when I go to make a purchase like this and, and when I get into something like I'm, I'm much happier making the purchase one time and finding what I like and, and, and keeping it around. Um, you know, like with, like with our cars, you know, we, we drive them till the doors fall off and, and we change the oil and we try to maintain them. And, um, that's something I like to do. I'm not someone who's going to outfit myself every year. I just, you know, I'd rather spend my time trying to focus on learning the animal, learning the land, uh, getting camp set up, things like that, rather than always trying to do a bunch of research this year about what's the new hottest boot. You know, I'd rather find the one that I, I can have in. So that's why, I mean, I think now as I'm more into it, I really think I'm looking at this, a leather boot option where I can buy a, a really great boot that I can maintain and keep, um, for a long time and, and, and put into super, uh, versatile situations, which, and the cool part too, again, like I mentioned that the sole of this boot, um, they'll rebuild it for you when it wears out. Um, but the sole matters for lots of reasons. Um, and I think you, you were calling it the shank, Jeremy. Yeah. A lot of people call it the shank. I like They're, it. The, the, the sole. What, what, what I might call it, um, is the bottom of the boot. <laughs> there we go to keep it easier. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, the part where your foot sit lands. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> sits there, on. There's all kinds of stiffness. There's all kinds of thickness. <laughs> there's all kinds of tread, right? And not, yeah, and not not to go into a dark place. So I'll try and just skirt over that one without <laughs> without mentioning the word girth. But um, <laughs> get getting there into the it. boot topic though. But when we consider the bottom of the boot, when you're looking at tread, I mean, you can go all kinds of crazy routes with this. Is 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 um is one better than the other and insert is, is I, I think so so like the tread on these these boots here that you're showing um the one thing that i found is when you're in the western part of the united states the, the cascades is that the mud gets inside those mm. those pitted spots so it's kind of like all these little dots right and that's yeah, the yeah. tread just kind of explain it to everybody and then around it, it, it'll have a perimeter that's a little thicker. And um, anyway, mud will get in there, and it's hard to get it out. So you're sitting there. All of a sudden, you've got two extra pounds, three extra pounds, and you have a hard time getting mud off of those boots. So I found that that type of tread can, uh, you know, grip onto that mud and hold on to it really well and then it takes Take a little it. bit to get off yeah so even considering like i mean and this actually brings up a really cool point that we're kind of getting around this like even in terms of western hunting like we're as we're as western as you can get right but this right. is western washington where it's a different climate where i think in this degree when you're talking about bozeman montana and western hunting that's kind of like you're kind of that more of a rocky mountain hunt you right know, where you're 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 uh maybe going up some mountains you're attacking some grasslands you know it's it's going to be dry and cold not really warm wet and soft you know what i mean so no i think that's a super consideration too to make so maybe even before you consider that boot maybe you really need to wrap your head around exactly where you're hunting not just you know throwing terms like western around because you know western yeah. can encompass a lot right and and maybe i need to wrap my head around the 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 exact terrain there so no i think that's a that's a super interesting point man i like that um so are there have you found out here then for more muddier terrain where cake where mud may have the or where mud will cake up a little bit more have you found that there's a kind of a tread that kicks that off a little bit better than others you know that the Tread, I'm I'm trying to pull it up here for the Kinetrex. I really liked theirs because of um, 
it's not too intense, but it's got the, you know, gripping qualities to it. I'm almost wondering like, okay, so I'll kind of trail run from time to time. Um, and I like it, but the the tread there will be kind of almost like tire like, if yeah. that makes any sense. And I wish I could describe it, but it's it's not that kind of like you said with these boots. It's not that dotted tread with that layer on the outside. It's more of like that kind of um, it kind of grooves together in kind of longer lines in in a way that kind of naturally might kick it off. You know, in the same way that like your tires are supposed to be treaded in a particular way to kind of spin water away um these trail running shoes kind of do that yeah exactly and that's kind of the way a lot of your mountaineering boots are designed very cool sweet so how about so treads are interesting right um and maybe it's not a topic that we can speak kind of professionally on right so maybe no, again yeah. consult with your guy you know this is this going to be rocky you know i'd imagine if you have an idea of hey i'm going to be in a shaley kind of loose rock dry climate or i'm going to be up into some wet mountains or i'm going to be attacking you know hey i might it might snow right um you know consult with your guy you know the boot expert should be able to give you some more insight than we could just absolutely on, on what what treads are better for that um how about in terms of stiffness or um, in terms of just thickness? I mean, it, I, I'm always going to lean more towards uh, more of a minimalist approach um, where I like I like a hard bottom shoe, and that's for a couple reasons. But uh, how about in your experience, Jeremy, what are you looking at? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. The, the, the stiffer the bottom of your shoe, um, the better it is for you in terms of when you're climbing out there and the impact that it has on your body, because they've done studies on your feet and, um, and climbing. And they found that like, if you're doing steep inclines and like that, and you have a really soft boot, it does, it makes you work almost twice as hard. I don't know what the, you know, if that's true, but I'm just going to say it. it'll make you work almost twice as hard. And then you have, then your feet get wore out. And once your feet get wore out, you start to fatigue really quick. And that has been my experience. And then last year when I went to a stiffer shank, uh, they got like a stiff shank and then a real stiff shank. And I went in the in the middle middle line just because the real stiff one is mainly designed for if you're going to be doll sheet punting or something like that where you're on rocks and that kind of terrain. But we're in mainly, you know, dirt and rocks and it's kind of medium, uh, medium type you know, rockiness. So, um, but yeah, so a nice stiff boot <clears throat> will get you up the mountain quicker with less exertion of energy. And I found that to be true last year when I went to a stiffer shank, I was like, Oh my gosh, I was, I mean, I was heading up the mountain and it was no problem. And I had less, I could feel it really in my calves. I was using my calves a lot less than I was in my thighs and everything than I normally do. Cause that stiffness just, I mean, I can't explain it, but well, I, I I'll uh, I can't explain it either. Um, but what I can I can reference. Um, there's a cool book on running called Born to Run, and it kind of references along what you were talking about that, you know, the the softer and more pillowy your shoe is, I guess. Like the fact is, there's tons of nerve endings and muscles, and there's a reason your your foot has all these nerve endings, bone and muscles in it. It's because it's supposed to it's supposed to articulate and it's supposed to move around and it's supposed to kind of fit to the environment. Well, no matter 
how much you protect your foot, your foot's going to work to find the ground. So what they've ended up finding is the more protection you put on your feet, the harder your foot's going to work to contact the ground because it wants to, you know, you want to be on that steady ground. So you'll, you actually, in an effort to protect your foot more, you end up um, producing more force as you contact the ground because you're, you're going to naturally try to stomp to find it more. So, um, you know, I, I want to boot that, you know, when you wear footwear and on that note too, like, yeah, we might've been hunting in the mountains, but like in terms of minimalist running shoe, like we weren't running on concrete either. So in that regard, you need something to protect your shoe. And, um, I always like just a hard bottom, uh, zero drop shoe. So I'm not a big fan of like big heels. I don't want to, I don't want a big heel on my boot. I don't like a big heel in any of the shoes I wear. Um, I just want something that's going to be flat and something that's going to protect me. I mean, the shoes, this, the tennis shoes that I wear, I wear either a van or just a Converse All-Stars. It's just a generally no heel, um, a little bit of cushioning, and I wear those. I've been going on wearing a pair of vans now for, dang it, I think this is year four on them. And as I've worn them, they just get flatter, 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 and happier, and my feet adapt. Um, and then in the meantime, whenever I, like right now, I'm standing at my desk, and my feet are bare, and, you know, I have like a little... Um, tennis ball that I'm grabbing my feet with to help strengthen them too so I think in that regard you hit the nail right on the head you know you need to find the boot that that's going to work with your foot the most and generally it's not I think you'd be surprised at how hard you have to work if you get this kind of pillowy you know if you if you in that store look for the one that's going to be the most comfortable or the softest I think you'll find that it's also going to be the one that will just force you to, to work the hardest as well. You know what I mean? Right. So get yeah. And Hey, that, that goes right into what we were talking about at the beginning of the show. You know, just cause it's, it's the most comfortable doesn't mean it's the best for you. You know, some of the, some of the, some of the things you have to train the foot to do it right. You have to test things out. You have to talk about some stuff and maybe there might need to be a little bit of a marriage between your foot and the boot. You know what I mean? So well, absolutely. That's one thing I I realized because I went to the stiff shank from having a soft sole, and um, holy smokes, it, it it was weird because when I threw my heel down, my toe plopped right. My toes was like slap, slap, and it so it took me a little bit, you know, two to four miles to kind of really get used to that weird um, stiff shank because. Usually my feet were able to contour to the ground. Now they're not sure. able to contour to the ground. It's more of a, a slap and go. And, you know, another thing that people don't really talk about about boots and what I like about these mountaineering boots is that they have their profile on the sole kind of is that of your foot where some of these other boots kind of flare out, right? So they're wider huh wider soles and what i've noticed in hunting in the in the back country is those wider soles don't give you the same support as a narrow sole hmm. so you don't get the same you don't get grip it's a harder on your feet your feet tend to slide around a little bit more but what i noticed with these um, narrower soles is that i i have true grip heading up the mountain which you know, sometimes, and you know, there was some places out of camp where you're heading uphill and you take three steps and you bring one back, three steps and one mm-hmm. back. But with these boots, I realized I was, I was getting my true three steps in because I wasn't sliding around. Well, I wonder and if I, that's a, I really, yeah, I wonder if that's a matter of surface area, just to kind of talk crap with you. It's kind of like if you were to, if you were to stab your steak with the back end of your spoon 
versus if you're going to use a fork. You know, it's just like, do you know what I mean? Like if if you're yeah. in a soft, steep terrain with that with that tighter, thinner sole, not thinner, um, narrower sole, you can dig in and go up kind of like a um, like a football cleat would do. You know what I mean? As opposed to if it's kind of like walking up on a John boat, you just have more surface area to slide, if that makes any sense. but um, Yeah, and it's just the true width of your foot. Yeah. And so naturally, you want, I mean, that that's just, if you were barefoot, you would kind of have the same thing, I think. And once you get a wider boot, then you're, you've got way too much room to play around. And, and the wider boots have their place. I mean, don't get me wrong. You could, you know, in real muddy terrain, they're nice to have because you're not going to sink down as far. Well, but, yeah, and I, th- I think at the end of the conversation, it has to revolve around um, more than more than finding the perfect boot. You have to match the boot with what you're going to be doing. Yeah, your primary hunting area. Yeah, so you know, match that up. And heck, man, if you have the resources to have, you know, this is my Montana boot. This is my you know rainforest boot out here in Western Washington. This is the boot that I kind of. Um, you know, I'm going to be tree stand hunting, you know what I mean? Um, and not moving much. That's the boot for that. And then this is my turkey boot, you know what I mean? So um, if you can go that route, you know, all the means to you, do all that research and, and find the right stuff. But um, um, in the meantime, maybe maybe um, maybe you're not like that. <laughs> and you maybe can only buy one to two pairs of boots or you're on your first one and it's one that season. So maybe just target it and do some research on on what your terrain's going to be like, and um, consult with some of these. Um, are they boot salesmen? Boot experts? Uh, I don't know what you're going to call Connoisseurs. Them. Yeah, boot connoisseurs. Um, <laughs> you know, And maybe, hopefully, if, if anything, Jeremy, I think we've given some folks enough thoughtful things to consider before they go and make their, um, their first boot purchase. Because the last thing you want to do is just go out and write, you know, oh, that's a $500 boot. It's got to be good. And then you find out it's not good for you. You're right. You, you got to try these boots on, walk yeah. around the store for a bit. I mean, you'll know when you, it's, it's the right boot. I mean, when I, with my travels, I went to the Kina Trek factory in Bozeman and I tried on the boot my first time and I was like, oh, I really like these boots. And then I went to um, the other facility and tried their boots on and I was like, oh, I don't know, but I really like the brand. So I bought them, but I questioned it. And that should have been my first indication that I, you know, I didn't follow my gut feeling. Hmm. So then, you know, and and to kind of touch on cost just real quickly, because we're going to have to wrap it up here shortly. So you can spend $140 on a pair of boots and they're really nice and they work great and they're inexpensive. And it might be just the entry way you have to do it because you have a budget, you're starting to hunt, you got to buy all this gear because you're going to go on a backpacking trip. And that's good. But if you're, if you're into it for a longer time, you might, you need to start thinking about spending more money on a boot that you're going to have for, you know, 500 miles versus those boots, the cheaper boots you're going to get about 150 to 200 yeah. miles out of. And, and once they break down, then they, it's, Murphy's law, they're going to break down when they, when you're in the field. (laughs) So you're going to get wet feet, you know, or you're going to, the sole's going to fall off. I mean, you have all these different dynamics that can happen after the boots start getting tuckered out. So sometimes it's better just to fork out the money ahead. And then for the next five or seven years, you may not have to buy another, another set of boots. And then the other thing to consider on that regard is you should not be making your boot purchase the weekend before the hunt. Like, no. 
please, uh, yeah, uh, break them in because these are going to be different, especially, again, like like what I mentioned in my own personal experience. Like, you know, I wear I wear like a van that's just or, or Converse All-Stars with no, no, no height, flat bottom, and then the boots I wear are completely different. If I, if I switched that up without any sort of training or thought process, it would have, it, it'd be miserable in my, just because it's different. So, um, and these higher end boots, they, they say it takes about 55 to 75 yeah. miles to break them in and, and break your feet in. And honestly, I think it's, uh, we spent 45 minutes covering it. We could probably spend another three hours and now we could have a couple <laughs> interviews about it. But <laughs> yeah. look, your feet are super important, you know, and I tell whether it's weightlifting, um, training, walking, like don't lose fact of the, don't, don't lose sight of the fact that your feet are connected to the ground. And without that connection, you're SOL, right? So you need you need to be connected to the ground in a thoughtful way. And at the end of the day, you need to find the boot that works for you. And um, you know, as we have our um, if we have pre act post post action review, Jeremy. Yep. Post action review as we kind of review just A- after after action review after action review as we uh, AAR AAR we we're gonna AAR this our actual after action review here just to just the the important things. As we kind of fumbled through the the the, the girth of my calves, um, you know, we, we had that in there. But uh, no, there were some great things to really consider. Um, and we'll sum that up real quick. So you know, insulated versus non-insulated—that should be a, a question you should ask. And as you ask that question, you need to kind of think about the terrain you're at. Um, and Jeremy, uh, what was it? Uh, boot height—that's another yep. consideration. And then check those ankles and then your shank, um, the stiffness of it, you know, get that in there. And then in in order to consult with that, you know, before you call your boot companies that you're going to talk to, you should just really have some thoughtful consideration about the actual terrain you're going to be covering, um, for your primary hunting season. Um, and Joe, I have one question you should ask the company on sneeze is do, do they have a problem with the seams where they meet from the leather to the rubber. Cool. We'll do it. And, and what is the failure rate on that? Because that's one thing you got to, on a boot, you got to consider too, is anytime you go from one, um, type of substance to another, in this case, it's leather to rubber. Yeah. And, and, and they've done it probably a good job of intertwining that, but what is the failure rate on that? Yeah. Well, yeah, good question. And it's a fair question. So do, do, do your specifics on the area. And, and I'm looking at this boot just because it's a little heavier than the one I have. Like the one I have is in good shape, and this just seems to be a heavier boot. And um, the durability of this one um, seems pretty excellent. I mean, for me, what I would really end up looking in, I'm in the market for either one of two things, uh, a big heavy boot um, or even just a real light one that I could scoot around in just a little bit more. So um, I've got my good tweener boot that I'm really happy with. Um, again, um, so so we'll go there. But let us know what you guys are thinking. If there's something we missed, um, we'd love to uh, get some feedback from you. If there's a boot consideration that we have potentially missed, uh, let us know. And, and quite frankly, if there's a brand that, that that's worked for you, um, we'd like to know that as well but i'm um, in the meantime if you're appreciating this content and and even the slick dirty jokes that we've gotten in there from time <laughs> to time, um, uh, maybe you can put one of those in the reviews as well but tell your hunting buddies tell your training buddies what we're trying to do here um 
And uh, if we're making the mark and giving you some information to help you train, hunt, and live, um, that's the main goal. So just let us know if we're doing a good job of that. Um, uh, Jeremy and I have had some interesting conversations as we've been recording, and I think we're on this general track that we, man, we just really want to help folks. And, and um, if our experiences can increase your experiences um, and success rates in all you do, um, we would be uh, tickled pink. So and your, feed, um, and your feedback is very important yeah. to us. So, um, so for future podcasts, we can do better or, you know, leave out content or new content or whatever. So, well, then the other thing we need to get going, Jeremy, is we need to get a turkey hunt going with your boy. Let's get come on, let's, come on, come on, come on. let's get that one set up. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, let us know what you guys are hunting, um, and let us know how you're doing. But until then, this is uh Joe and Jeremy from uh Back Country and Barbells, um. Wishing you uh, a happy harvest. Take care, gang. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, please head on over to our website, backcountryandbarbells.com, or review us over at the iTunes podcast, Machine, um, or however you're listening, guys. And again, if your buddy has turned you on to this show and, and they can't find it, let us know, and we will we'll, um, do our best to get on that podcast platform. And while you're at it, guys, um, let PR Lifting know we sent you. Check out their website, PR Lifting. Dot com and also guys help out send a vet going over to send hyphen a hyphen vet.com click that green uh donate now button and um let them know that backcountry and barbells sent you until then guys train hunt and live the best life possible <laughs>